Good morning. Um, it's another Sunday morning that God has been pleased to gather us here this morning. And um, we thank God. Um, I hope and pray that we've been well. Um, when the rainy season began on Monday, you know, it was easy to imagine that, you know, meeting here would be a challenge because if you're like me, then um, this is a time where uh, sleeping appears to be the most preferable thing to do. I'm just being honest. And so um, thank you for uh, making time to be here this morning. It's such a joy to see every last one of you. And uh, today we continue with the series that we have been on uh, since July. I'd like us to once again just reference those four scriptures that we have every so often that we have met beginning with Matthew 17, verse 5, that speaks to us about the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. And we know that he was with uh, Peter, James, and John on the mountain. And while he was sp still speaking, verse 5 tells us, Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And I just bring that reminder to us that it is the Lord that we are hearing this morning. And having heard him, then we go to John 2 verse 5 that speaks to us about that first miracle that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee when he changed water into wine. And I hope we remember that they had ran out um, of wine when the mother of Jesus approaches him and telling him as much. But in verse 5, the scriptures tell us, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do. And so even as we hear him, not just today, but even as we continue with our uh, private studies in the course of the week, that it is the Lord we are hearing, but we are to make that very same commitment that whatever he tells us, that we shall do. And we have a good example in Ruth, uh, reading Ruth chapter number 3, and I'll read verse 5 and 6. This happens after Naomi had spoken um, to her and giving her instructions as to how she was to appear the threshing floor of Boaz. And in verse 5, this is Ruth speaking to Naomi, and she said to her, All that you say to me, I will do. And in verse 6, we are told that so she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And I hope we remember that Naomi is a type of the nation of Israel, but more specifically of the scriptures. And so, friends, even as we continue with our pilgrim journey, having heard him and having known that we are to do what he tells us, I pray that we shall follow that example that is given to us um, in Ruth. And maybe we are asking, so what is the importance of doing that which you have been told? And we have a good answer in John 13, verse 17, when Jesus had washed his disciples' feet. He speaks to them, and he ends in verse 17 by saying, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You know, without understanding the word of the kingdom, it would have sounded to me as though it was um, a blessing for us to know what God had said, period. And that is why it was not uncommon in the past to attend Bible trivias. 
and even to be one among the best, but I submit to us, friends, that even as we look forward to appearing at the threshing floor of Boaz and him whom he typifies, it will not be a Bible trivia time. And so let us go to our lesson. I hope we remember that our series is Laws for Profit, and our head scripture is taken from Matthew 16, and we shall read verse 24 to 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And in the last nine parts of this lesson, we have reminded ourselves the following, that coming after Jesus is an individual choice and equally an individual responsibility. And that is why Jesus says, if anyone. And this we do on a daily basis. And it involves a threefold action, deny or disown self, take up the cross and follow him. And to take up the cross and present our bodies a living sacrifice, as we know from Romans 12:1, are two ways of saying the same thing. That which is still in bondage to sin, the unredeemed soul, the self-life, is to be kept continually in a state of dying so as to remain in subjection under a fully redeemed spirit, even as we see it pictured in the ordinance of baptism. And to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow the Lord, is the same action as losing our soul, our life, laying down our self-life for his sake. And friends, the reality of the matter is that we have only two choices, to lose now and profit then, or to profit now and to lose then. And I hope that we don't need to be smart to know which of these two is the best choice. In our previous lesson, we examined the fruit-bearing Christian. The parable of the sower reveals that of the four grounds, only one bore fruit, and this is a good ground Christian. And Jesus describes this Christian as one who hears the word of the kingdom with a noble and good heart, keeps it, understands it, accepts it, and as a result, he or she bears fruit with patience. And therefore, Christ, in this last part of the parable of the sower, demonstrates to us that it is possible for us to bear fruit. And this is based on our response once we hear the word of the kingdom. And to the extent that the good ground Christian bears fruit, it is safe for us to conclude that such a believer has room for Christ to lodge. And by so doing, he or she has a right perception of Christ and hence able to follow him. I hope you remember that we had to examine the Jews and realize that because of the teaching that had come through from their religious leaders, they did not have the right perception of him. And therefore, even as we look at this good ground Christian, it is a picture of a, a believer who has the right perception of Christ and thereby following him. Because I submit to us that if our perception of Christ is not right, then our following him may not be possible. Jesus will and is building his church on this rock, and this rock, remembering what we read from Matthew 16, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, 
and that is the rock on which Christ is building his church. And therefore, believers must be correctly taught the word of the kingdom, the gospel of the Christ. We did go back to the Old Testament to just look at Genesis 21 to 25, which foreshadow in type the history of both Israel and the church. The search for the bride of Isaac in Genesis 24 would typify the search for the bride of Christ. And friends, this is the dispensation that we are currently living in. God has sent his Holy Spirit to search for and procure a bride for Christ among his family, the church. And we did see Abraham's oldest servant, a type of the Holy Spirit, arriving in the city in the evening, and he positioned himself by a well of water. And likewise, the Holy Spirit has positioned himself by the well of water, which is God's word. And since we are living in the last days of this present dispensation, we can surmise that this is equally evening time. And we did find that um, this evening time was a time when women went to uh, draw water. But when we did examine the lesson, we saw that only Rebecca came to the well that particular day. And this was a type. And in the antitype, not all believers will be at the well. I pray that we shall choose to be found at the well. And of Rebecca, we did see that she was the daughter of Bethuel. In other words, she belonged to Abraham's family. She was a beautiful to behold. She was a virgin. No one had known her. And this is a type of a wise virgin who has an extra supply of oil. And therefore, a wise virgin is a believer who has allowed the word of the Christ, the word of the kingdom, to dwell in them richly. And we also did see Rebecca going down to the well, filling her pitcher, and coming up. And although this was a literal action, like we did see in that lesson, we may consider this as a picture of humility. Because, friends, it takes humility for us to be found at the well of God's word. And having identified her, Abraham's oldest servant, asked Rebecca a question, a question that we are being asked even this morning. Tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? And we did find that Rebecca answered in the affirmative. Moreover, she said to him, we have both straw and feed enough and room to lodge. And we concluded by saying that our having room for Christ to lodge is not in the verbal responses that we give, however good they are. Rather, it is in our daily resolve to pay the price to be found at the well of God's word to the extent that God's word influences the daily choices that we make. And by so doing, we are answering in the affirmative that there is room for Christ to lodge. So let us continue with Genesis 24, just examining what happened after Rebecca had been identified. And we shall see that um, being found at the well of water, Rebecca had a conversation with Abraham's older servant in Genesis 24, 17 and 18. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, Drink, my lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to, the, to her hand and gave him a drink. And uh, down to verse 22 to 25. So it was when the camels had finished drinking 
that the man took a golden ring, nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrists weighing ten shekels of gold and said, Whose daughter are you? Tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahum. Moreover, she said to him, We have both straw and feed, enough and room to lodge. There was a conversation there. There was, in my opinion, a very good one uh, for that matter. He said, she said, he said, she said. And before Abraham's servant could eat, he first spoke of his errand. We shall go down to verse 34 to 51. So he said, I'm Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great. And he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. Now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And skipping to verse 49 to 51, Now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go and let her be your master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. And the servant identified himself first before making known how blessed Abraham was. He spoke about Abraham's son, to whom Abraham had given all that he had. To him he has given all that he has. He also spoke about his mission. He was told, go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And as we have read from those scriptures, he asked for a response to which Laban and Bethuel said, here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go and let her be your master's son's wife as the Lord has spoken. It is inferred from this text that Rebekah was in the house when Abraham's oldest servant was speaking of his errand. No wonder they responded and said, here is Rebekah before you. I imagine she must have been there. So having identified Rebekah as Isaac's wife, we see the servant giving her jewelry of silver and gold as well as clothing in verse 52 and 53 and it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard their words that he worshipped the Lord bowing himself to the earth then the servant brought out jewelry of silver and jewelry of gold and clothing and gave them to Rebekah he also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. That is what became of Rebekah. What can we glean for ourselves in this? That our choice to continually avail ourselves to study the scriptures, rightly divided, will afford us fellowship with God. As we would see Rebekah and the servant having that conversation, it would be a picture of the fellowship that we are to have with God. 
reading 1 John 1, 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And skipping to verse 6 and 7, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And I'm sure that that is what God would have us enjoy even as we continue with our pilgrim journey. That intimate fellowship with him. And that cannot happen, dear friends, unless we are to be first found at the well of God's word. We will find the treasures of wisdom and knowledge as a result of spending time at the well of God's word. Reading Colossians 2 uh, verse 2 to 3, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of, full, of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom, in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This is what was being unpackaged, so to speak, to Rebecca by the servant. This is what Jesus said of the Holy Spirit in John 14 verse 16 to 17 and to verse 26. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And in verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The Holy Spirit will teach us all things, Jesus says. The Father, at this point when Jesus is speaking, was to send the Holy Spirit and he was to bring remembrance of all the things that Jesus had said to his disciples. I hope we did notice in verse 26 when Jesus says, the Father will send the Holy Spirit, that we find that in Genesis, in Genesis 24, because Abraham, a type of the Father, sent the Holy Spirit typified by the oldest servant. And Jesus continues to tell us in John 16, verse 13 to 15, however, when he the spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. I hope that we can hear the conversation that Abraham's oldest servant has with the family of Rebekah. Because he went there and just told them exactly what he was sent to do. And in verse 14 and 15 of John 16... He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. But just for a moment, when we read John 14 verse 26, it is said to us that the Holy Spirit will not only teach you all the things, but he will bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Can you be reminded of something you've never heard of before? That won't be a remembrance, right? 
And that tells me that, friends, even as we continue with our pilgrimage, if we have been at that place of studying God's word, a time will come when the Holy Spirit will bring to our remembrance. And therefore, it is for us to first that make choice to be at the well of his word. And therefore, having read John 16, verse 13 to 15, we have seen that Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth, that he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. He will take of what is mine, Jesus says, and declare it to you. And Jesus says that all things that the Father has are Christ. And is that not what which we have read in Genesis 24? Abraham's servant said that Abraham had given Isaac all that he had. I think without understanding the word of the kingdom, um, that uh, point number three, he will tell you things to come. If you were like me then, um, the way it was understood at the time, it meant that the Holy Spirit would show me things that would happen, for example, tomorrow when I go to work, next week, for example, when I travel for that trip. That is how I was made to understand that the Holy Spirit was telling us things to come. And you see, it makes sense. But really, even though it makes sense, really, that is not what the Holy Spirit is telling us. The things to come here have everything to do with our appearance at the judgment seat of Christ and the fact that the Lord is coming back. So the Holy Spirit, in point number D, will reveal to us the deep things of God. And I know that this is a scripture that we know in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 to 11. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But verse 10 tells us, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit, such as all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. You see, what Levin has done is that it made verse 9 in my growing up to mean that I would receive very good things in the course of this journey. You know, these things that I has not seen, nor ear heard, it spoke of the, last, of the latest vehicle that was in town to me at the time. You know, when I was told that it has not even entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him, it was very materialistic for me. Um, maybe I was alone. But I thank God that, you know, as a result of understanding the word of the kingdom, this has nothing to do with material things. And we read that the Holy Spirit, as we have read in verse 10, part B, the Spirit, such as all things, yes, the deep things of God. And you see, one of the attributes that we learned about the well is that it is deep. And so, friends, if we are at the well, which uh, we know now to be deep, guess what? the deep things of God will be revealed to us. And what are these deep things? Contextually, they have to do with regality. As we would read Colossians 1.16, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. 
all things were created through him and for him. And you can guess by reading this verse 16, this has nothing to do with the material things that we may have been socialized in. And so, friends, that is one of the things among the many that we are continuing to see that we would enjoy if we choose to be found at the well of God's word. Reading 2 Timothy 3:16 to 17, a scripture that is known to us, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work, just as our brother read um, from 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 17, for every good work. And the Greek word for inspiration of God or God breathed in the NIV version is a compound word, theonustos, which means God breathed. In other words, God's word is full of his spirit, his breath. That when we study scriptures, dear friends, that which we receive is the spirit of God, is the breath of God. And Jesus in John 6, 63 says that it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and their life. And so the jewelry of silver and gold can picture works which will endure the fire, giving us a reward. Because we know from 1 Corinthians 3, 12 following, now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Because the word of God contains the spirit of God. Then as we see this servant giving jewelry of silver and gold to Rebecca and clothing as we shall see shortly, then it is a picture of the Holy Spirit revealing to us the good works that will earn us that reward. Because of this uh, building materials, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, we have two sets of building materials. The first one, gold, silver, and precious stones are works of the Spirit. But wood, hay, and straw are works of the flesh. And we know that these works of the flesh will not endure the fire, but the works of the Spirit will endure the fire, and ultimately we shall receive a reward. And we know from Ephesians 2 verse 10 that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Walking in the good works is walking in the Spirit. And Paul writes in Galatians 5, 16 and 25, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. And I submit to us that as we choose to study God's word, the Holy Spirit will reveal to us the good works 
whose purpose is uh, receiving the reward, which we can also associate with the profit that shall be received on that day. The servant also gave Rebekah clothing. And this would picture the wedding garment, which every believer must wear if he or she is to receive the reward. And speaks, as we know from Revelation 19.7-8, the righteous acts of the saints. John in Revelation 19 verse 7 records, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is a righteous act of the saints. And you know, friends, minus the wedding garment, there is only one fate that will await any believer. Reading Matthew 22, 11 to 13. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. He was not speechless because he did not know, but he was speechless because he knew he needed a wedding garment, but did not bother to, to have one. Then the king said to, he, to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And therefore, friends, if we don't have a wedding garment on that day, then we shall spend the whole millennium in outer darkness. And reading one of the things that we saw about the Laodicean church in Revelation 3 to 17 is that Jesus says that this is a church that is naked. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, you are miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And Jesus offers counsel by saying, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eyesalve that you may see. And I hope that would remind us of the woman and the man in Genesis chapter number 3 who as a result of um, eating of that forbidden fruit, so to speak, the scriptures would remind us that they were naked, completely devoid of the glory that they had. And I submit to us that if there is one who would want us to appear naked before the Lord on that day, it is the enemy of our faith. May we choose on a consistent basis to continue to draw from God's word the good works that we are to do on a day-to-day -day basis. And as we continue reading the account in Genesis 24, Abraham's oldest servant was ready to depart and he made his intention known. But herein we find that there was a tussle, so to speak. It was either take her and go or let her stay with us. And these are the statements that were made by Rebecca's family. Reading Genesis 24, verse 55, 54 to 55. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night 
Then they arose in the morning and he said, Send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least ten. After that, she may go. And the Hebrew word for stay is a word that means abide. It means remain. In other words, they were saying, let the young woman remain with us a few days. Ten, to be specific. Does this not contradict the very same commitment they made when Abraham's oldest servant had told them the mission that he had come for? Because this is what they said. Rebecca, here is Rebecca before you. Take her and go and let her be your master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. But when it was time for her to go, the same people said, let the young woman remain with us a few days, at least ten. You see, once the servant was ready to leave, Rebecca's brother and mother expressed a desire to have her stay with them, abide with them, remain with them a few days, Ten, to be precise. And we know that ten is not an arbitrary number. It is a number of ordinal completion. In other words, they were saying, let her remain with us for good. They did not want her to leave. And has that not been our experience? Her family, therefore, called her to ask her personally, continuing in verse 56 to 58. And he said to them, this is Abraham's oldest servant, do not hinder me. Since the Lord has prospered my way, send me away so that I may go to my master. So they said, we will call the young woman and ask her personally. Then they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? The NLT renders it this way. Are you willing to go with this man? They asked her. You see, friends, as we began this study, we looked at uh, Genesis 24, verse 5 and 8, where we saw Abraham's oldest servant raising a concern about the woman's willingness, reading verse 5. And the servant said to Abraham, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. And he repeats the same in verse 8. And if the woman, this is Abraham speaking to his servant, and if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. And even as Abraham's oldest servant gives an account of his mission, he raised the same matter about the willingness of the woman, how important it is for us to be willing to follow this man. And the Hebrew word for willing is a word that means to breathe after. That is figuratively to be acquiescent, to consent, to rest content will, to be willing. In other words, it means to agree are you willing to agree to follow this man? That is the question that was being posed to Rebecca. And I submit to us that becoming a wife of Isaac was dependent on Rebecca's willingness, her consent, her agreement, her acceptance to follow the servant. And that is not any different for us even today, that it is all boiling to one thing. Are we willing to follow this man? The question to Rebecca was, will you go with this man? And the Hebrew word for go is from another word, which means to walk literally and figuratively. To walk along, to walk continually, to be conversant, 
to depart it means to follow to go about to go abroad to go away to go forward to go on to go out to go up and down you know when you speak about going we are speaking about movement you can't be in the same position and say that you are moving that you are going this was an invitation to rebecca to move to walk along the servant to follow the servant and in this we find a choice to be made by her whether to remain with family that which is familiar or to change location by following the servant into the unknown and have we not found the same with Ruth's account you see when Naomi tells them about the journey to Bethlehem there was a choice to be made by Orpah and Ruth and i think after evaluating the matter Orpah made the decision to go back to that which is familiar but Ruth decided to follow Naomi to go into a city she had never been to to meet a people she had never met and you know that is the same invitation that we have this morning that as we continue with our pilgrim journey we are walking and expecting that one day we shall meet this god Romans 12 verse 2 tells us we are not to be conformed to this world but we are to be transformed by the renewing of your mind or of our minds that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of god there can be no true transformation dear friends without us making the choice to follow the holy spirit and you see when you are to go to the greek word for the word transform the only thing that comes to mind is the change that happens when we find um is it a caterpillar becoming a butterfly that transformation and that is what is being offered to rebecca will she choose to go will we choose to go and in genesis 24 verse 58 the last part that i didn't read and she said i will go and her choice to go with the servant would ultimately separate her from her family abraham had to separate from his family in genesis 12 verse 1 now the lord had said to abraham get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that i will show you ruth had to separate from her family when boaz gave an account of her in verse 11 of chapter 2 boaz answered and said to her it has been fully reported to me how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before and this was rebecca's invitation to lose her life that she may profit then reading the words of jesus in matthew 10 verse 34 to 39 do not think that i came to bring peace on earth i did not come to bring peace but a sword for i have come to set a man against his father a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be those of his own household he who loves father or mother more than me jesus says is not worthy of me and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me 
Taking the cross, therefore, is making the choice not to love father or mother more than Christ. It is a choice not to love son or daughter more than him. And Jesus concludes by saying that he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And I'm sure that we have known that the word of God is a sword. It is a separator. And we know that from Hebrews 4.12. Lest you mistake what Jesus is saying, he's not inviting us to start hating our parents and our children. This has everything to do with choosing to put the man of the flesh where he belongs. You see the land of birth that we are being told about. Ruth here has everything to do with our first birth. That is in the flesh. And we are being invited to make that separation from our first birth. And by saying, I will go, Rebecca followed the servant. Reading verse 61. Then Rebecca and her maids arose and they rode on the camels. How many camels were they? Were they five? Were they two? How many camels were there? There'll be a price if we get the answer right. How many camels were there? Ten. Yeah, Beth, you'll take an, uh, another cup of tea this morning. <laughs> so if Rebecca and her maids rode on the camels, how many camels are we talking about? They were ten, isn't it? And they followed the man. So the servant took Rebecca and departed. And I will leave us with this interesting thought. Maybe you can search the scriptures and if you find an answer, come and tell us that the same camels that Rebecca drew water for, they were the same camels that she and her maids would ride. I don't know yet what that means. Maybe if you find, please come and tell us. Let's continue with the journey in verse 63 of Genesis 24. Now Isaac came from the way of Beelahiroi, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel. For she had said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. The servant was sent to Mesopotamia with only one mission, to search for and procure a bride for Isaac. And having accomplished his purpose, he made haste to return to Canaan. I wonder how serious this business is of searching for a bride for Christ is, that when the Holy Spirit finishes his mission, he will make his journey back. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field, and it was evening time. He saw the camels. And we, we have just read that Rebekah dismounted from the camels. Remember that she was not alone. She was with other maids. But of all the maids and Rebekah, only Rebekah dismounted from the camel. Rebekah asked the servant who Isaac was, and having known who it was, Rebekah took a veil and covered herself. The maids did not do this. So what is the spiritual significance of all this? That in this present dispensation, the Holy Spirit is searching for, procuring a bride for Christ. 
And we know, friends, that this dispensation runs for only two days, 2,000 years according to 2 Peter 3.8, when God is not dealing with the Jews. One of the things that I saw when I was preparing this lesson is that the servant spent two days in his mission. Why do we say this? We remember when we read the earlier verses of Genesis, Abraham's servant arrived in the city in the evening time. And before the end of that day, he had gone to uh, the family of Rebekah. And he, reading verse 54, and the men who were with him, they ate and drank, and they stayed all night. That was the first day. And the scripture tells us, then they arose in the morning, and he said, send me away to my master. A total of only two days. And when this mission was completed, we see Rebekah and the maids arriving to meet Isaac in the evening. Is that not a picture of the end of this dispensation? When this dispensation is done, I hope it is. Reading John uh, 4.43, speaking about Jesus, being with the Samaritans. Now after the two days, Jesus departed from there and went back to Galilee. Friends, I hope that we can see that we are almost running short of time, that this dispensation is soon ending. And before long, Jesus, as we have read in 43 of John 4, will resume his dealings with the nation of Israel. That is, of course, um, after the end of the tribulation. And if you were to go to Genesis 25, it would begin with Abraham's remarriage, a picture of God restoring his dealings with the nation of Israel. Genesis 25, verse 1 to 2. Abraham again took a wife, and her name was Keturah, and she bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shur, a picture of the fruitfulness of the nation of Israel after God has restored his dealings with her. So we have read that Isaac went out to meditate, a word that in Hebrew means to pray, to meditate, and he went to do that in the evening, which pictures Christ going to meet all eternally saved individuals, either resurrected or raptured at the end of this dispensation. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4.15 following reminds us this morning, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Isaac met Rebekah between his home and her home. Is this not a picture of the meeting between Christ and all eternally saved in the air? As we would continue reading in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. I hope that we are looking forward for that day. Rebecca alone dismounted from the camel. 
and she wore a veil. And I submit to us, dear friends, that only faithful believers identified as a bride of Christ will wear the wedding garment, a prerequisite to regality. And this is the clothing, the righteous acts that the servant gave her after identifying her like we have seen in the course of this lesson. And you know, if you imagine that when she dismounted, that she put on that veil, then I hope that we can see that there is nothing in the flesh that will be seen in us on that day. And I pray that, dear friends, we will continue to work on our wedding garment. And I ask us, even as we come to the close of this lesson, how did Rebecca know about Abraham's son? Abraham's oldest servant must have told her. How did Rebecca know about the search for Abraham's son's wife? Abraham's oldest servant told her. How did Rebecca know about the return journey to the servant's master? That Abraham's oldest servant equally told her. And how did Rebecca know how to dress before appearing in the presence of Isaac? Abraham's oldest servant must have told her. What about Ruth? How did Ruth know about the journey to Bethlehem? It is because Naomi told her. How did Ruth know about which field to work? Naomi told her. How did Ruth know how to work in Boaz's field? Naomi told her. How did Ruth know who Boaz was? It is Naomi who told her. How did Ruth know about the rest? It is Naomi who told her. And how did Ruth know about Boaz's threshing floor and how to appear there? I submit to us that Naomi told her. It is not rocket science for us to come to the conclusion that the Holy Spirit, Abraham's oldest servant, will tell us everything that we need to know concerning our journey, concerning the good works that we are to do, concerning which field we are to work in, concerning even how we are to work in that very same field. It is all found in the scriptures that are rightly divided. And I'm sure that if we were to ask any one of us here this morning, that as often as we have chosen to spend time in the scriptures, he has shown us how we are to go about every matter, even as we discussed on Thursday evening. And therefore, friends, I pray that we shall make that choice, not to turn anywhere else, but to the scriptures rightly divided. And this was an exciting bit for me to see that earlier we saw Rebecca being asked, will you go with this man? And she answered in the affirmative. But towards the end of this chapter, it is Rebecca who is asking, who is this man? And you know, I saw in this a picture of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that this man that Rebecca was to go with, a picture of the Holy Spirit, but this man that is meeting them is none other than Isaac, a picture of Jesus the Christ. First John 5.17 For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. If we were even to see this oneness in this trinity, we just need to see what this book is all about. It's about Abraham, a type of God the Father, sending the oldest servant, a type of the Holy Spirit, to find a wife for his son, a type of the Christ. And this trinity, even in this present dispensation, is working together in unison, just like we know 
from Genesis chapter number 1, where the Hebrew word for God is Elohim, a word that means the plurality of God, speaking again of this Trinity. I hope that we are persuaded that the Holy Spirit, the Son, and the Father, they are working only for one mission. And I hope you remember from John 17, Jesus praying, saying that we may be one even as they are one. And bringing this lesson to a close, in verse 66, and the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Isaac took Rebekah, and she became his wife. We saw in Ruth 4.13, Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And this is a picture, I hope we know, of Christ taking every faithful believer to be his bride. And friends, I submit to us that it is then that the fullness of our prophet will be realized. Let us not grow weary, because in Matthew 25, verse 20, this servant who had uh, brought with him again said, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. I have made five more. In other words, I have profited. And therefore, friends, we come to the end by reading again the words of Matthew 16, verse 24 to 26. And I will use the Kenneth West translation. Then Jesus said to his disciples, as I believe that he's saying to us even this morning, if anyone is desiring to come after me, let him forget self and lose sight of his own interests and let him pick up his cross and carry it and let him be taking the same road with me that I travel. For whoever is desiring to save his soul life shall ruin it, but whoever will pass a sentence of death upon his soul life for my sake shall find it. For what will a man be profited if he gain the whole world but forfeit his whole life? Or what shall a man give us an exchange for his whole life? Friends, this part 10 brings this series to an end. And I hope and pray that we have enjoyed this series as I have. I invite us to go back again like the Berens and just search the scriptures. There is so much that we can say. But like I think Pastor said, we are not saying anything new. This is just the same thing being said in a different way. And so if the Lord is willing, we shall work on another series as the Lord will continue to navigate us. I don't know whether we want to be identified like Rebecca was to be the bride of Isaac, a type of the Christ. We now know what needs to be done. Friends, we have to lose if we are to profit on that day. Thank you so much for bearing with me as we have done this series. Um, and thank you for your prayers and for your encouragements. I don't take them for granted. And therefore, I'd like us to pray and even bring this to a close. Our gracious Father and our God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you this morning. Lord, we thank you because you remind us in Hebrews 10 that we are not to stop the habit of meeting together. And Lord, we thank you because even as we would examine the first church in the book of Acts, fellowship was one of the primary responsibilities. And Lord, we thank you this morning 
that you've gathered us here this morning. And Lord, indeed, you don't gather your people in vain. We thank you for your word, your instructions, dear God. Even for us, we would desire, dear Lord, to be identified like Rebecca was, to be the bride of Isaac, a type of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you for wherever we could be, Lord, on this journey. We thank you that you are a gracious and a merciful God. You are so faithful, dear God. And I pray that, dear Father, even as we begin a new week, that, Lord, you will continue to help us, Lord, to meditate on this word. And the Lord, if there are things the Lord you will be confronting in the course of time, we pray that, Lord, we shall not debate with you. But the Lord, we shall enjoy your grace to make adjustments, even as you shall lead us. We thank you, God, and we bless you. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.